Batman, <laughs> if you were a dinosaur-shaped Transformers, wouldn't you make your arms longer? That's a really good point. So I think that they are kind of bound by the restraints by which they are using the reference, you know? So like in the Dinobots case, uh, they unleashed these four like little scanner things and they went and found an oil bed where there was fossils and they scanned the fossils and turned them, the robots, that, you know, they... They go out into the world, they scan something of reference, and they bring it back to the naked robot, and then they assimilate that into being a thing they can transform into. So why aren't they skeletons? It's a good question. Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast. (laughs) No, that's not even the name. Never mind. Because because there's such advanced technology that they extrapolate the bones and flesh and muscle culture. Right, right, and the feathers. Oh, f*** that doesn't work either. (laughs) Well, we didn't know about feathers back then. In the 80s. Yeah. a perfectly acceptable podcast from the cradle of nerd civilization what we refer to as bellingham washington the armpit of all that is good and holy mesopotamia if you will oh that's funny (laughs) that's funny that is funny it made me think about like like a pubic hair joke, but I'm not going to get into it. But like, you know, like cradle of civilization, mesopotamia. Um, Anyway, I'm Jeff. Harry balls. Oh, that's Django, and it sucks to have him around. Uh, I'm Roman. Hi. Uh, Every week we get a bunch of comics because we run a comic shop together, the three of us, heavy hitters in the industry. And uh, we read a bunch of comic books and come back together here to talk about them because we love each other and we love comics. Some days we don't like each other that much. Today? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just going to say, if it's any day of the week that ends in day... I'm not a huge fan of Django, but Roman is always a treasure and a treat like a pecan pie. Mm, thank pecan you. Pecan pie. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Django, I bet you're into it. Two thumbs up. Yeah, me too. I love me pecan too. pie. Yep, me yep. too. That's the best you know, pie. Do you know the difference between pecan pie and pecan pie? No. It depends on whether you use pecans or pecans in it. Oh, that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, Thanksgiving, give me a pecan pie any day of the pecan week, or at least whatever day that that Thanksgiving yep. falls on. Yep. But that's My not preference. why you're here. You're not well, here to hear about our pie princes. Dude, come on. What? <laughs> a sweet potato pie between two slices of uh, pecan and pecan pie? Never had a sweet potato pie. Is a sweet potato oh, wow. pie <laughs> essentially like if my mom made, you know, like sweet potato casserole growing up? It's... No, it's more like, uh, and, and I know you don't like pumpkin pies, but imagine yeah. a more caramelized pumpkin pie. But with potatoes instead of pumpkin? Yeah, but like they're adjacent. It's it's one of my no, favorite no. pies. What is in it? Is it pecans? Is it potatoes? Or is it pumpkin? It's, it's, it's sweet potatoes. Okay, it's not pumpkin. No, and it's not yeah. like sweetened potato. It's sweet potatoes. Yeah, like yeah, yams. Yeah, Yam, yams, sweeter sweet- brother. Sweet potatoes are far superior to your yams. I want to put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. So we've agreed. You're not here to talk about pies anymore. We have an email. I have one quibble. Okay. All right. One quibble. All right. What do you got? With Thanksgiving meals. 
Oh yeah. I mean, we were, we did almost graze the topic. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only meal, like the only holiday fancy tradition meal that there's really no room for something spicy. You've said this to me before. How often is this on your mind? I don't think I said it on the podcast. It's on my mind a lot, man. (laughs) That's my point. Fuck Thanksgiving meals. Whoa. Bring back the spice. Mm. Bring me a spicy Thanksgiving. You can add spice to your mashed potatoes if you want. You can add spice to your turkey. Like, throw a nice seasoned spicy rub on it when you cook it. Make make it real garlicky mashed potatoes. Yeah. I mean... Uh, hot sauce hot sauce instead of gravy yeah you can throw hot sauce on turkey and taters <laughs> did will send us an email i'm tired of this topic yeah i was trying to get there earlier but you wasted everyone's time Hello and happy episode <laughs> 314 dude i asked it him, is a it. mother's day weekend <laughs> it is a hot mother's day weekend is it hot mother's day or is it just oh, hot yeah. And then it's Mother's Day. God you guys it. decide. Um, with Mother's Day here, uh, that actually leads me straight to my question of the week. Um, if you could give your mother any comics to read, comic, comics, graphic novel, whatever, um, what would you want her to read if she would actually sit down and read it, if you could get her to to do so? Um, turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. And P.S. I didn't get the message about Free Comic Book Day, making sure Roma didn't steal any comics until after Free Comic Book Day. And that dude totally stole some comics. <laughs> I feel well, like he asked us this last time. Joke. No, he didn't. Last no, time I, he asked us what he would do for Free Comic Book Day. No, last yeah. Mother's Day. I don't think did he? so. I don't remember. That was a whole year ago. I have I would, no answer to it. So I, I would get curious. Jeff's mom Red Room. Crypto oh, Killers God, number God. one. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> You have weird aspirations for yeah. your relationship with my. Well, she likes you too much. She what? likes what you do too much. We need to we need to bring that respect <laughs> down a peg. What do I think would be good for my mom to read? I did give her a copy of Day Tripper once, which she promptly never opened. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, I think I might give my mom the Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck, but I think it would also maybe maybe have to come with a lesson in in the order to read the panels because she mentioned my one mom, time that she wasn't totally clear on that my mom also has alluded to not knowing for sure how to read panels yeah um shit you guys i bet my mom i bet my mom could like saga i bet my yeah. mom could like saga yeah. I don't know if she would. I think there's a possibility that she could if she read six issues. She sure gets sucked into television shows. So, you know, maybe. Do you think she would like Bone? Bud, that's my mom. <laughs> hey, hey, I didn't do it this time. Yeah. Does she still listen? I don't know. Mm, you know. <laughs> mm, mm, Jeff. Mm. We're off to a really sort of lackadaisical start to this podcast, you guys. It's a good thing that this is a comic book podcast and a comedy podcast in equal measures because we go a little light on the former sometimes. Also, it, uh, yeah. Oh, also, Roman's mom. Mentioned that Roman's mom and Will's emails coming up from the Mother's Day reference because we didn't record an episode last week because uh, Django and I were both cripplingly busy. Uh, mm-hmm. And we were like, we can't do it this certain night that we always do it. Let's do it a different night. And we we're like, oh, we can't. So um, it, that's it why was a, is, yeah, it was a gift to <clears throat> our mothers to not record the podcast. We spent the weekend with our moms. <laughs> yeah. Your mom didn't have to listen to one episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, boy, I think what would you force down your mom's <laughs> eyes? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, the thing is, my mom has read some series, and I can't remember. Like, I remember the first one when I was in high school. She, uh, she read my Camelot 3000 oh. miniseries by <clears throat> Ryan Boland was the artist. I don't remember who wrote it. Um, she was into Michael that. W. Barr, I think. Yeah. Um, she's in that. I think she'd probably enjoy Sandman. Oh, Neil, Neil, yeah. Neil, your mom's kind of hip. She yeah, Neil Diamond. Hip. Yeah. And I, I can't remember what others, because she's read stuff since then, and I can't remember what the, the titles were. I wouldn't mind getting a nice copy of the filth for your mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, she'll enjoy that. She's asked me to save her comics, and I can't remember what they were. I mean, those. See, there's ago. too many. There's no way I could ever savor them. Who's <laughs> uh, got time to read this stuff? <laughs> oh, wow! That was good. Thanks, bud. That was very, very good, Mister Boren. Are you high? You You usually try to hide my good jokes from me. That was a very (laughs) funny bit that we stumbled into, and I liked it, and I want to make sure you know. Um, And after that, since we made it through that, I think it's time to talk comics, you guys. Now, Can we stop the comedy here? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, Django, if you can somehow stop your stellar comedy... Which mostly just means don't move the microphone to your ass. <laughs> um, and uh, and there's a lot of options that we could talk about this week, guys. Where do you want to kick is. it off? We had a new Avengers start. We had a Tom Taylor written Titan series start. We had Batman Brave and the Bold featuring a story by Tom King and Mitch Garrids. Those are three killer number ones. Dude, they are. We also have Predator number three. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm at that Dawn of DC sampler. I read that Good and it's on my week. list and I scored it. So I yeah. will we will be talking oh, wow. about that. Yeah, well, I was just gonna make the joke of committing to doing that as our opener, but I looked at my page and my score and I was like, wait, that can't be the first book we talked about this week. <laughs> but I think that we should talk about Titans first, and it should involve the conversation that why can't I get away from Peacemaker? Like, why can't I go anywhere without someone telling me to read Peacemaker or watch Peacemaker? (laughs) And even if I'm not trying to read Peacemaker, I end up reading Peacemaker in multiple books this week. I think there's probably another season coming out and James Gunn is taking over the DCU. And I'll bet that they're just really, really trying to make that work. Plus, so Tom, John Cena basically plays Peacemaker in the new movie. In the what? Fast and the Furious movie. Oh, oh. Nice. <laughs> um, In the new movie. <laughs> Good job. This podcast will live in perpetuity, Django. Um, There's always going to be a new Fast and Furious movie, Jeff. That's true. Out of the is shadows. It, is, is it, oh, okay. No, please. No, no, I don't. No, I don't want to interrupt. No, 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 no. no, I, I, no I meant to ask. No. I'm just to ask trying you. to do a thing over here. Okay, we'll do this. We'll do the thing. I just meant to ask Django earlier. So is is fast fast ten? Is it also fast X? It's like fast J- ten. Your seatbelts. <laughs> oh, I love that. See that, Django, Jeff? I, I steal a good joke from someone else, and Roman thinks it's funny. Django, I thought <laughs> I asked you to stop putting the mic at your asshole. <laughs> So, Tom, so, so Titans number one came out this week. It's Tom Taylor with art by Nicola Scott. Um, this is kind of a big deal. This is kind of like the Justice League book of the current moment because there's no Justice League. And they said, Dick Grayson, we need you to run the Justice League. And he was like, over my dead body, I'm doing it as Titans. Build me a new T. 
And so they built him a new team. Um, and kind of like another book we'll talk about later this episode, uh, Avengers number one, this was kind of a, the bulk of this issue consisted of sort of the gathering of the team or, or kind of a portion of it was as they move back into the manor, the Titans manor. Um, but spoilers for all the books we're going to talk about this week. The framing device for this issue is that right at the beginning, Wally West is shot in the chest and he's dead. And Whoa. he's like, I've got a couple seconds left to live. And he like does some cool only has seconds to live stuff like says bye to his family and then gets on the cosmic treadmill and goes back in time to the moment that the Titans form this time. And they stumble upon his dead body at the end. And he's left a message for them that says solve it. That's all pretty <laughs> fun, guys. <clears throat> that usually goes pretty well for Flash when he goes back in time. Yeah, especially Wally West. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you were making a Flashpoint joke, and I was making a Heroes in Crisis joke. Same joke, except he mine murdered, sounded like an asshole. He murdered a lot of people in Heroes in Crisis. Yeah, he did. So, Roman, I guess the big question I have is, how did you feel about this as the resident Titan fan? And Django actually actively doesn't read Tom Taylor books. So I'm curious, A, if he read this book, <laughs> and B, if he liked it. None of your goddamn business. <laughs> <laughs> I don't come here to be interviewed. I don't come here to be berated. Well, I hope he did read it. Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, I like the art, too. Boy, that Titan's Tower looks so awesome. See, and... I was a little torn on the art, Roman. And then I chalked it up to feeling like, okay, I feel like this kind of has the vibe of like an 80s Titans comic. Like it's not a super yeah. modern style, and I was no, I was marking it against it for that at first, and then I decided no. On my second time reading it, I, I thought I actually think it works really well for feeling like it's a Titans book. Yeah, and that and and yeah, actually that's why I like this first first shot we get of the Titans Tower because I was like, wow, that looks very reminiscent of George Perez's Tower, um, and and the Titano looks awesome, the giant mm -hmm. Kryptonite ape, and and. Peacemaker looks great because he's a little he's a little smaller than John Cena, so his helmet looks like a big penis. Um, oh, which I which I always think is funny with Peacemaker. Um, and boy, Tempest! I was surprised that Tempest. This Nicola Scott, her Tempest looks so freaking sexy. Uh, the Aquaman guy, Tempest. Used sorry, to be, sorry, used the to, Aqua Lad guy. Yeah, used to be Aqua Lad. Yeah, okay. which unfortunately he's not joining the team, but. Yeah, I wonder two, who he's working for. Do you yeah. have any theories on His that? His two pages. I was like, oh, that's right. He tells him he's working for somebody. I don't know. They're going to reveal. I bet I bet it's like something shocking, like Black Manta or something. I bet it is Black Manta. Yeah, the, yeah. the panel on the top right, he's looking pretty handsome. Yeah, yeah. Almost so this was fun. I mean, and, and it was very 80s Titans. And of course, this is the 80s Titans team. The only thing I don't like really is, and it's because I am I haven't read so many years of Titans, I'm, I'm still adjusting to Raven not being dark and tortured and you know having colored hair and using an, an actual name and being it, happy it, <laughs> it took me like three quarters of the way through my first time through before i realized that that red-haired girl was raven because i've never seen her with redded hair yeah me neither Django, you reading tom taylor not this one really no <laughs> way to get the joke going i like it dude Keep it's, it going roll with it isn't it isn't it springing out of nightwing no, I mean, it's like the Justice League book. Yeah, it was Spring set in. up in Nightwing 100. Yeah, it was set well, up I'm there. It was, also, it. it was also set up in the Death end of Justice League. Dark Crisis. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. It's got a giant ape in it, Django. It's got a big old monkey in it, man. Guys, I had to read Red Room Crypto Killers number one like four times this week. Django. I didn't have time to read. 
Transformers I'm sorry. Or you're talking I, about. That was all like a joke bit because I assumed you'd read it, but you do have a way of not reading Tom Taylor books, so I like it. I he keeps writing characters I don't really care about. Like I, I, I don't want to read a Titans book. Tom Taylor's writing it. I'm probably going to read it at some point, but I gotta I got I need two more Nightwing hardcovers before I get there. I hear it. it definitely doesn't like spring out of any specific like Nightwing like super storyline or anything. It's it's pretty broadly acknowledged in multiple series, but I'll believe it when I read it. But uh yeah, yeah. Um but I do agree like I want to read a Titans book and I can never make it more than like two issues in because it's yeah. never written in a way that is interesting to me. I don't have a history with the characters, but I love Tom Taylor and I love the way he writes and what he does with characters and I'm in for this as long as he's yeah. going to do it. Yeah, if anybody can pull that off, it's him. But yeah. I have not read this yet. I'll, honestly, I saw the cover because I wasn't working on Tuesday. I didn't know that he wrote it. So I didn't I didn't ask for it and I didn't bring it home. So I'll probably grab a copy this week. And you weren't subscribed to Nightwing, so you didn't get auto-subbed. Bingo! spins out of Nightwing. Uh, there's a couple panels that look like Frank Quietly. Django, look at this picture. Francis? Oh, that does look like Frank Quietly. Um, like Nicola Scott, too. Yeah, it does. Um, I will... I will say, Roman, I really also liked the scene with uh, Beast Boy and Raven when they have their little telepathic conversation. I just I think their relationship is very sweet and I haven't seen it get grown or when it formed or anything. But they made me feel like I was witnessing kind of early stages of it in a in a good way. It was I like that very much. Yeah, it's just good character work throughout the entire thing, which is what we've come to expect from Tom Taylor. So, yeah. Yeah, this is my favorite Titans team. So this will be fun. Tell you what, I don't need fucking Peacemaker in it, but whatever, here we are. You still haven't read the Peacemaker book? I did read the Peacemaker <laughs> oh, okay. book. Oh. <clears throat> it was, was very good. Yeah, that was a surprise <laughs> that was a surprise to me, but I kind of like the I'm curious to see where it goes with setting up Amanda Waller against the Titans. Yeah, man. Amanda Waller, like Peacemaker, is just like, why do I always fucking read about you? Like Amanda Waller is the sign for me to jump off of a book. Because she's behind everything. She's the dark side of Earth. She's not <laughs> likable or fun to read. Well, no, she's not supposed to be likable. Neither is Darkseid. Yeah, he is. Well, he's fun to read, but he's not very likable. Yeah, well, he's yeah. one of the two. <laughs> and he's likable when Tom King does it. He eats vegetables <clears throat> out of trays and stuff. That's I know, true. I know, Jeff. You'll just think of John Cena every time you see Peacemaker. In I, the do, book. I do. I do. Like, you like John Cena. So. I, I work. I work to make sure I'm reading it in his voice. Roman, I gave it a nine out of ten. I think it was fantastic. I think the art was Damn fantastic. The writing was fantastic. It's great. It's uh, certainly better than any Justice League number one that I've read in the last. <laughs> Scott Snyder. Yeah, Scott Snyder. That's Bendis, a time measurement. Joshua I agree. Williamson. <laughs> I agree, Tavarish. I also give it a nine. Thank you, Tavarish. Nine o'clock. So, Django, uh, take me to a book that <laughs> take me to the one that you want to talk about. The one that you read. Red Room, Crypto Killers. You guys read yeah. that, Yeah. Right? Nope. <clears throat> nope. Oh. It's too gross. Did you guys read Predator 3? Nope. Jesus Christ. I'm trying to include everybody, but uh, all right. Fantastic Four, number seven or 700, depending on. Nope. What? No, I read seven. I read I'm 700, just, but I didn't read kidding. seven. I don't know what to do with that, Roman. I read. Uh, I don't know Roman. either. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, Fantastic Four, number seven, 700 uh, by Ryan North and Coelho. Andrea Coelho? Iban Coelho. Iban Coelho. Um, it's I really like this issue. comic. It's a fat issue, issue, and it's a fun issue. We finally meet Aunt Petunia. Is this the first time we've met her, Roman? Roman, is it the first time we've met Aunt Petunia? Dear Wikipedia. No. Dear Roman. No, we've, we've seen her before, but 
I think it was in John Byrne's run in the eighties. Oh, that's why she looks like this. She looks like a John Byrne character. This she, is back, back then she had she was slender with dark hair, but that was like what thirty years ago. <laughs> uh, I agree with Django. All of this issue is kind of like I think this artist is kind of in the style of John Byrne Fantastic Four stuff. When I see that, and there's, again, there's I haven't read that. that. Yeah, I'm referencing the covers, but this all looks a little bit like '80s comic booking, like fantastic. I guess there's a pretty modern sheen to it all. Yeah, but it's it's a good it's a good mix. That's a that's a good call. Um, I really really liked this issue um, for many reasons. Uh, I like the setup where they're in hiding at Ben's Aunt Petunia's house and the characters start losing one letter at a time. So like first they lose the letter X and they can't say anything with the letter X in it. Like they can't Um, remember any word with that letter. Yeah. Yeah. It's just gone. Uh, And then they, what do they lose? They, They lose something else next. Like they just start dropping letters and losing the ability to think or communicate one English letter at a time. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, and then the reveal is that it's Dr. Doom messing with them. That's his name, right? Yeah. Oh, Dr. The Dr. green Doom. guy. Victor yeah. Von Doom. Yeah. The, yeah, the green yeah. guy with the mask. Yeah. yeah the mask. Tim um, Von Doom. And, and I love that he's like, he's such a an egotistical dick that the only letters Whoa. he leaves them with are D-O and M so they can <laughs> remember his name. It was such a good reveal so let's yeah. let's pause because this issue is like broken into three or four chunks and the biggest one is that first <clears> one where they're kind of in- living through that mystery yeah. and just one thing i wanted to mention is i loved that problem they encountered because it was something that when explored through comics created a very unique relationship with like the reader and yeah. the problem yeah. so like they dropped letters and they would they were constantly like re-singing the alphabet and like inserting syllables and words in different places to make sure that the rhythm of the ABC st- song still ended yeah but you would be watching it evolve as they would slowly m- lose more and more letters and then like again make forms to make the song still work and that was just a really cool with comics specifically because you got to see it like as soon as they sang it the first time you knew that they lost X yeah and, like it it was just a, a wonderful like Ryan North way of um, I'm not sure if you listened to the iFanboy interview that Josh did with him a couple yeah, months ago. Um, but yeah, he had just sort of mentioned a couple ways that he was trying to utilize comics in a way that you're you're maximizing what comics do that no one else can. So like page yep. turns and, and things like that. And this is just another instance of that. So I thought that was a really cool writing tool for a problem they encountered. Yeah, I thought I thought that was great. Um and it felt it felt like what I imagined Squirrel Girl was like, but I didn't read Squirrel Girl, so maybe Roman can confirm that. Yeah, yeah, a lot, uh, very much so. Just minus the minus the humor, because mm-hmm. there the focus was humor. But yeah, the the intricate kind mm-hmm. of scientific way of telling stories. And then chapter two is just like kind of a short confrontation with Doom, where he's mad that uh, Reed sent his goddaughter off to be um, like returned in one year. Dude, I love this dynamic of Django being forced to recap this because he's clearly like, why the fuck am I doing this? I am the least fantastic <laughs> in this group. <laughs> Is that right? Is it his goddaughter? Yeah. yeah. I'm, do- I'm doing great. You're doing great, Django. I, just, I will. Just, you are doing great, buddy. Plowing ahead. Um, and and I'll mention, I, I think this is some of the best Dr. Doom writing I've ever read, like up there with Hickman stuff. Like his, he's intelligent, yeah. the hubris, the intelligence, the mm-hmm. the ruthlessness but also there's an inherent heart and a believed compassion beneath all of it with him when Mm -hmm. it's done well and like he he does love valeria 
Yeah. And I love that aspect of him. It's like a it's a it's a perk that he gets to mess with Reed if he can go save Valeria, but yeah, exactly. it's not the reason that he's doing it. Right. And the the like the end the, the last story in here is Doom trying and failing to go back in time and do it better than Reed did and everything he does fails. Like it just never works. And he finally has to learn the lesson that maybe Reed did the best move, possible move, which I I liked his evolution there having to come to terms with the idea that he's not the very best at everything. Well, I think the other big revelation there as well is that I just received a phone call. Um, The biggest, the best revelation was that he realizes that if he can be going back in time to change things, and yet he's stuck in a loop where this is an outcome that can't be prevented. He then realizes that future other versions of doom have since been fixing time and this is a required thing for them to do but and i forget exactly what it was but in this realization because this this isn't what he wants um he realizes that the doom line like dooms never reach the level of supremacy that he thinks that they should right and so he then goes back in time to prevent him from trying to save them. And therefore, because I think he spent like sins says that he spends an entire lifetime trying to do to fix time. And he realizes that he is the, you know, the person who is inferior. So then he goes back to the beginning to prevent himself from being able to discover that doom is a flawed line, which is like a crazy Dr. Doom thing because information is power and he's basically saying like i've realized something that i don't want to have realized and it will change the rest of my life it's like having a panic attack or something so that was like it it was like confusing too i was like i yeah wait what is going (laughs) it was a fun read and and the way he acts when he leaves like they're able to stop him from going back in time the first time because old man doom like puts a puts a weakness in his armor and when he leaves he's still full of bluster just like yeah it was it was really good character work of this super egotistical smart guy at different points in his life failing to do all of them failing (laughs) to do a thing right like the only thing he succeeded in was making himself fail yep yep i loved it i loved it also man i a fantastic four comic Thank you. I'm glad you put that microphone up to your mouth. Thanks, man. I think you're right. Um, you derailed me there, bud. That was good. That was good. Uh, I got nothing else. Roman, what are your thoughts on this fantastical issue? Uh, pr- pretty much the same as you guys. Uh, all I can I can add that I, I really liked at the end. Um, Sue, you know, mentioning the things that once she's able to get a force field into doom's armor, the things she could have done to him. I really like when they, they show how just deadly Sue could be. Yeah, I agree. Cause they don't bring that up much that, you know, she's like Magneto and that they could just destroy your body from within and end you. How much focus did it take to not say Magneto there? A lot. <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs> I bet. Um, scores, scores from the boys, 9.5, 9.5 from me as well. I always have to resist the urge to just give it a four because of the book, but yeah, yeah. But, you know, you it's so much type. better than that. Yeah. Um, I'll give it a 9.4. You know what? Oh. You know what? I'm going to give it a 10. And there's oh, nothing my wrong with oh. that book. There is no reason for me to dock that book except my own Dr. Doom like hubris because I'm almost oh. as smart as him. 
Oh my god, I know. I agree. Wow. Um I love it. Better. I love living in a world where Django gave a fantastic four <clears throat> book a ten. That's 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 excellent. Yeah. Um, I hope Ryan North takes over Nightwing sometime. <laughs> you love Tom Taylor. You just hate reading his books, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, Django, sorry, Roman, do you want to talk about Batman Brave and the Bold next or Avengers next? Oh well. I don't know. Let's 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 get Batman Brave and the Bold out of the way. Yeah. All right, Batman Brave and the Bold. There are four stories in here. I read two. Ooh, you read <laughs> twice as many as me, and you only read half. Yeah. Wow. I I read all four, even though I didn't plan on reading the Stormwatch, but I really liked the art. <laughs> and he would have read the back matter if there had been any. I am trying to remember if I liked the art, because I was a little tempted by the art, actually. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, was, Storm- I, I do like that art. I, do, I, I was a little tempted by the artist. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, then the first page of that story is uh, Mr. Mr. Bones, and I I like that character. So I was like, oh, he's in it. Oh, the art's really cool. It's a little but the rest, like Yannick Paquette. Yeah, yeah, but the rest of the characters I do not care, so I probably won't read the next chapter. But um, but Roman, did you yeah, read the cool Superman art. story? The Superman story was, was freaking excellent, fucking <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Better Dude, than Django. the Superman stories in the Superman Cantwell books. And, yeah, I totally agree, Roman. And Javier Rodriguez. I was reading it, and I was like, I don't know who this art is, but it is perfect. It's a little bit Tim Sale. It's like yep. a, a little bit, um, I don't even know, Javier Polito. But, yeah, that was like the closest thing I can think is that it kind of reminds me of that Marvel History of the Universe book. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be weird if he was a DC. And then I couldn't figure out who the writer oh. was. And it's fucking Christopher Cantwell. Sorry. Yeah. I, and is isn't it the same artist? It's, it's Javier Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the guy. Yeah. And I was just like, there's no way he's doing DC. And then after I finished it, I went and looked at the credits for both because I was assuming I would get to the credits at the end of that little short. And I didn't. So I went back to the beginning. And that's when I was like, I love this writer and this artist. This is amazing. <laughs> that was on my list to read. But after I read the, the first full length Tom King issue Mitch Garrett's story that's in here I've set this in my I read it pile and f- forgot to go back oh, well the Superman story is yeah, it's 24 pages excellent Tom I mean it, yeah it yeah yeah the Superman story I mean it's 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 adventuresome and it's it's I don't know when this is supposed to happen but it's it's current because they do oh, make some references that like John is around but I totally agree yeah there are lo- times in it that feel like it's like the Christopher Reeve Superman when he's in his costume yeah, yeah, and Lois is temporarily the editor in chief. Yep, yep, yep. But yeah, it has a real nostalgic, like classic, almost it's, serial action feeling. It's to incredible. It. Yeah, that Superman story is, like you said, it's better than any of the Superman stories coming out in his main books. The fact that they're able to make it set in modern continuity, but also simultaneously feel so timeless, is is awesome. Yeah. Christopher Cantwell. Yeah. Christopher Cantwell. Django, you're going to like it. There's a couple little bits in there that, that yeah. you will like. But the I'm real star of the show here, or I guess the other star of the show, is, as Django alluded to, a 24-page <laughs> sto- story by Tom King and Mitch Garrids. Django, how would you pitch what this is? It's like the Joker set in year one with an, a more violent Batman and a more violent Joker. Like, it's, it is a dark world. Uh that this story is set in um and the joker runs into this little girl and she she's like hanging out with the joker before anybody knows who the joker is like the joker even returns her to her dad who who who's been looking for her because she was kidnapped and uh 
the dad's not scared about the Joker at all because nobody's met him yet. He's really only had one encounter with Batman at the reservoir and the the police don't even know that Batman stopped him at the reservoir in this world. Um, the art in this is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. So Django, we didn't really talk about this at all in the shop on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just said something to the effect of being excited to talk about it. But I was like, does he not love it? Is there something that he, so did you have any qualms or quibbles about this? Well, what I'm excited to talk about is why you liked it so much. Yeah. Because I don't, know that i liked it as much as you i and maybe i'm just uh you know spoiled by having tom king do good stuff all the time i mean i think it's a little bit of the i feel spoiled by tom king and i just always think that he's gonna nail the landing and i love the journey so this was a very very strong start to a new story um i love the art in it like the full page spread of batman stomping on that guy i love how brutal batman is in it I like how firmly set in the year one universe it feels like the year mm-hmm. one timeline, like Gordon is very much that like the way the police forms and buildings reminded me of year one. Like, yep, there, there's so I, I really liked how firmly set in it that is. And I really liked um, like how incredibly tense the interaction with Joker and that girl were like was. Yeah. And I really liked the usage of uh, like alternating black panels for Joker's speech. I kind of wish mm-hmm. they had kept it up through the entire thing. That was the only way that he spoke. It's um, like uh, like silent film title cards. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. makes sense because the Joker and Max or what was that guy's Max Van Sydow? No, who was the guy that? Oh, yeah. The Joker the was based laughs. on the man who laughs. Yeah. yeah. So like a silent film there. So that feels like a reference that's on point. Um, and it's like no holds barred brutal in the way that tom king does sometimes you Mm -hmm. know like very very brutal. so all of that i thought was fantastic and made me just incredibly excited for the rest of this story um because it feels like this issue was a very effective promise for what the rest of it will be um like but brutal good joker stories are things that i love and i don't think we get that much of like i don't think we get a lot of super well, I just I don't love a ton of the main Joker books that come out. So I think I think the thing that like I enjoyed it. Don't don't get me wrong at all. But I think one of the things that kind of bugged me was that girl was so grown up, but didn't know why her dad was covered in red after the Joker put a knife inside of him in front of her eyes. Dude, can I like, tell you something? What? So I read this issue a little bit ago because we got a preview of it. I didn't read it again until today. But last mm-hmm. night. I had a dream that I was outside of the comic shop and some gang bully guy like pushed me and then stabbed me in the stomach. Dude. And I was like, oh, my God. And my dad was with me and I was like, oh, I got stabbed. And he was like, let me see it. And I looked down and I could see like my guts, like I could see my organs in it. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. And he was like, no, you're not going to die. I was like, I'm going to die. And then I realized I was dreaming, but I was in another dream and I was afraid to look at my belly because i was like no i'm dying so anyway it was just it reminded me of that scene i was like holy shit i lived this scene in my dream last night and now i'm reading this comic did you fart yourself awake no Hmm. i cried myself awake oh jeez oh man that's amazing my organs man god see that's as many horror movies as i watch and i never have dreams like that it's so weird yeah it was crazy so i've never don't had go a to dream with show. my organs going there tonight to set up this yeah, sale you'll be fine it's probably yeah. fine it's probably yeah. fine just go out the back but yeah so she was super intelligent but also a little bit like naive which i guess you know kids it's, better than i do 
it's such a hard a hard line to ride for writers and artists like tom king has kids so i feel like he should know better i was just gonna say you maybe just highlighted do i feel like he's ever written good kids before i don't know he doesn't write many kids yeah and he wrote the he wrote Alana's Alana and what's his name's kid. Yeah, and she, yeah. I don't know. Like kids. anyway, yeah. It's just kind of comics in general. People try to use kids as like a way to move the plot forward, and the kids' ages seem to change depending on what's needed for that panel. And I yeah. don't, I don't know. It it always takes me out a little bit. That said, like when you have a panel like Year One Batman stepping on a dude's face in the train yard, yeah whatever make the kid as inconsistent as you want no but i do think you're right i find that is totally true as well and i had it it took me out a tiny bit while reading this because i was like she's both really intelligent and really naive how old do i think this child is yeah like the the writing of her voice was a little disingenuous not enough to make it a less than a 10 for me but um i i I see what you're saying i did like the tom king art in there yeah i did too that was fun Roman oh, is, that, is that his art in the background there? Yeah, the, he did some wall? variant yeah. covers for okay. like Joker and Batman, and some of those are images from he he's uh, doing sketches for like cons, and he's terrible. So you know, on top of the stuff you guys mentioned, oh God, the art speak, and it's all great. But there was one panel specifically I liked when Bruce is at that party, and oh, he, he turns to the guy talking to him, and just all of a sudden his face is like Batman the animated series face. Django, <laughs> um, his eyes. Do you know whose art that made me think of? Let me look at the let me look at the panel again. Um, it's a very distinct reference I would make. Oh, like a like a very specific Jeff reference. A Jeffrance is what I like to call them. I like that too. No, it's just a specific artist. Who is it? Fraser Irving. Oh yeah, totally. It looks just oh, like yeah. those like Fraser Irving, Batman, Robin, or like Return of the Bruce Wayne. Like I, I love it, but that like kind of like almost like flat, janky, but it works because there's so much shadow. Like it's just it's yeah. a fantastic panel, Roman. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I really like that King worked in, I think, uh, isn't it the first, either the first or second Joker story where Gordon and his men are all like guarding Claridge, I think is his name, at that rich guy's estate and they're all guarding him. And it's like a locked room thing, but he still gets poisoned by the Joker, even though. Oh, is that all in Brubaker's Man Who Laughs? No, I know. Like the original golden age joker stories okay i didn't know that because they they had something like that in the christopher nolan movie right where they're like trying to protect the guy and he gets poisoned anyway but i've never seen that so having that be in here and also having them mention the reservoir story which i think was the Mm. first appearance of the joker right he was trying to poison gotham's reservoir so for them to be experiencing the joker's second golden age appearance and referencing his first golden age appearance gives us some extra like year one kind of nods which is and and like mashing up year one with golden age books which i think is awesome yeah that's a great catch yeah that's awesome thanks um yeah that was a great story that was definitely a 10 yeah between i mean and it's only part and it's only part one i know i don't know how long it's gonna be but i hope it's really long um so between that and the Superman story, it's a 10 easy for me. I didn't read the other two, although the fourth one is written and drawn by Dan Mora in black and white, and it looks pretty cool. How could it be any good, though? I mean, you 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 only really loved the two things you read out of it. Mm-hmm. Rest is I agree. What an incredible Impossible. success rate it's already reached. How could it possibly do better? Uh, I'm going to give it a nine because I was not inspired to read any of the other stuff, mm-hmm. and that kid thing didn't quite ring true for me. Did you... 
flip through and look at the Superman art. Yeah, all the all the art in the other two is is actually amazing. Even the Dan Mora stuff looks fun, even though it's black and white. Yeah, I just I I just didn't read it because I read twenty four pages and set it down. Yeah, no, I get it. I I read the Joker one in a totally different setting than yeah the the Superman one. I read it all kind of middle and backwards because I read the Stormwatch thing and then that and then that led into Superman and I read the Batman story last. Hmm. That Stormwatch one, the art is by Jeff Spokes. I know I know that name, but the art is phenomenal in it. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll look it up. What else? And I didn't care about the Dan Mora story. I read it, but meh. I don't, I don't even know which Batman it is or if it's a Batman in the future. I'm not sure. He's been doing a lot of DC covers for quite a while now, it looks like. Ah, it's a Spokes. The Wildcats, stuff like that. Anyway. Oh, I just found a picture that he did of Rogue, and she's not wearing a lot. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Uh, I'm just going to save that to the desktop and we will continue on our way. Um, What's next? Oh, we've got to do another big number one, guys. The Avengers came out. Django, did you read that? Uh, no, I thought Tom Taylor was writing it. <laughs> Jed McKay. Django, you like Jed McKay. Don't care for the Avengers usually. Oh, Django. Jeff, I don't a- read team books anymore. It was I a high one profile character. book, Django. I need one character with a medium-sized dick. That's the only kind of book. Django, that I, read I appreciate that you gave no shit for our customers this week who are coming in looking to get hooked <laughs> on a big new series. Nah, 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 nah. nah. I Roman... left that up to my my main man, Jeff. Thanks, buddy. That's really nice of you to call me your main man. Yeah, that's yeah. It's a Lobo reference. Oh, you fucking dick. <laughs> Sorry, t- take the microphone out of your asshole. I can't quite understand what you're saying. That's my um, favorite gag you've had in a long time. G- Jed McKay <laughs> and CF Via artists for the Avengers number one. Uh, Jason Aaron was just on the Avengers from the time that we were recording in person upstairs at our podcast headquarters to, to just now recently. So that had Holy to have been like cow. six years or something. Wow. Five, five or six years. Or something. Um, probably five. <laughs> Uh, he ended his run, and now we've got Jed McKay on it with an artist that I just said, CF Via. This is your very, very classic Avengers new team issue where there's kind of a, a problem they're dealing with, and it's interspersed with all of Captain Marvel kind of recruiting the team around her. And if what I just said sounded like I wasn't that into it, I used tone wrong because I actually thought it was a really, really good <laughs> issue. And I liked the writing a lot. And I like Jed McKay quite a bit when I read his stuff. Yeah. Django, I feel like you <clears throat> have been reading like it for it. a while. Yeah. Um, and then there has a great cliffhanger at the end because, you know, I love Kang. It's got a great vision bit. And I like Vision's costume redesign. If that's a full redesign, unless that's an older costume. I don't I don't know, Roman. Um but yeah, what did you think about this, Roman? You, you, this seems more in line with something I that you are more equipped to talk about because it was fun. Giant it was, equipment. Oh, more thanks. It's it's all made of unstable molecules. It's all unstable molecules. Oh, that's um, a good one. This it this was fun. It was your classic, you know, assemble the new Avengers team issue, and I'm glad the Vision is on the team because I always like the Vision, and I'm just happy to see him back on the Avengers full time. Um, and it's, it's basically a classic Avengers team, Cap and Thor and Iron Man. Though it's not Steve Rogers' Cap, Sam Wilson. Um, though that scene was funny because they uh, Captain Marvel asks Sam and Steve are, in a, are boxing, working out, and Captain Marvel shows up and asks Sam to join the team, like right in front of Steve. <laughs> I thought, well, that's kind of 
kind of ballsy and rude, but you know, Steve, Steve was <laughs> like, no, that's cool. Ballsy and rude. <laughs> and they do this great routine. I guess they have a long running routine where the three captains are all like calling each other cap back and forth. And Who's on Steve's first? Good. And Steve's like, come on, this is old, but they keep doing it. And that was cute. Yeah. Um, um Roman, I, sorry, uh-huh. please, your thought. Is no, 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 go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so I like when comics are doing this kind of thing, like Champions or, I don't know, Justice League does it as well. And I I don't want this to sound at all like, you know, like hashtag not my cap or not my Avengers or something. But when you get a team that's kind of like this, where it doesn't have like Steve Rogers in it, or like it doesn't have the Hulk in it, um, it's totally fine. Tell your story. But it, I guess the feeling that it always kind of gives me is sort of like, all right, well, how long is this going to last until like there's a real until sense. Steve's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a real sense of uh, transience to it when they do something like this. And, you know, like tell the stories you want, even like the Jason Aaron one at the beginning was a little like a slightly different team or something. And I was sort of like, okay, like it, it takes a little bit of the weight away. I feel like when you mix up team members like this and I, I'm not against it at all. And I enjoyed the issue quite a bit. Um, and gave it a very high score, but, um, but yeah, there is just a, there's a lack of permanence feeling when you're reading a story like this. I'm curious how you feel having read a lot of like, here's the new team issues. Yeah, I agree. There's, um, yeah, that lack. I mean, how long is this team going to last a year? Um, yeah, exactly. Six months, a year, maybe <laughs> yeah. five. I don't know. Like, it's unusual nowadays to have somebody like Jason Aaron, you know, write a book for six years or however long he was doing his Avengers. But um, it kind of gives the feeling that it's not like the Avengers, you know, and I don't know if that's my own baggage or something, but like it, you know, it feels sort of like, OK, like this will ultimately need to go back to Captain America leading this team because in 20 years, Captain America will be leading the team and 100 years, Captain America will be leading <laughs> the team, you know, like in the DK get to know the Avengers book, it will say that he is the de facto rule, you know, ruler of the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, I haven't read anything, of, you know, if there's been anything written about if Jed McKay has like contracted to do this for a year or right, yeah, indefinitely or who knows or what his plans are. I'm sure the sales will dictate that. But yeah, yeah, I did in the issue I did because on the title page they have, you know, each of the that's what the ads have been to the um, each of the members of the team is has like a designation as Captain Marvel's the star, the icon, Captain America, the witch, Scarlet Witch. And I kind of mentioned that a couple of times in the story. And I was like, well, don't, okay, you're already pounding this idea into the ground. Just knock it off, do it on the title page, and that's it. We know Captain that, America's an icon. You don't have to tell right. us. <laughs> but that's that, like, I really like Carol leading the team. And I think they made her super, super likable. And yeah. uh, I liked all of the logic that she was providing for why she was choosing which team member that she did, like why she chose which cap she did, why Tony was the first person she selected. And like, you know, I like the drama that they introduced with Black Panther, given uh, what had been going on with him and the other characters lately. The vision reason for joining was awesome. Like that, like, you know, like it followed up on these seeds from Judgment Day. So I I think I think that it existed in a really nice point where it follows up on what was from before it. Um, Yeah. And Scarlet Witch, always interesting. And then you get a great Kang reveal at the end. And I love Kang. Everyone. Yeah. And that was cool. Yeah. And Kang and well, the Avengers and Carol, I think, have have history and yeah even choosing sam wilson at first i was during that scene i liked so much i was thinking now if you've got steve rogers and sam wilson sam wilson's great but you're not gonna go with steve rogers but then when she explained why it reminded me what i forgot about sam wilson is originally as the falcon you know the 70s he was a social worker and and you know 
Harlem or some urban, you know, big city. And I was like, oh, that's one of the things I always liked about Sam Wilson. He was like the street level, like social worker character, really right. like kind of like uh, Marvel's Green Arrow in a way, in some ways. Um, it's like, oh, yeah, good point. I want to see that part of Sam Wilson again. And I just want to mention that I really like the art. CFV, um, it's it's kind of that Marvel house style right now, which kind of reminds me of a mix between like um, Pepe Larraz and RB Silva from the X-Men stuff they were doing. And then a little bit of like Aaron Cooter or like Jason Mc- or um, Ed McGinnis. Um, but it's it's a very good superhero style that has a unique look, is very proficient at what it does and doesn't feel overly just beaten down as the house style so i like the issue a lot i think it's an exciting spot for the avengers i i'm i like this first issue more than i liked the jason aaron first issue all those years ago hmm. i gave this one a, a nine romy oh wow uh i get i think i'll give this one an eight nice that's interesting because i don't i actually don't remember the jason the story of the jason aaron first issue of avengers even though i think i, I know i liked it I, I particularly just remember the five of four of us upstairs at the comic shop talking about it Django, did you really read Red Room Crypto Killers four times? <laughs> no, I just read it once. How was it? It's great. It's some of the best storytelling in comic books, man. I know it's it's a hard sell for people because it's super, super gross. And uh, there's every single kind of abuse you can imagine in here. There's, there's bullying. There's uh, stripping somebody naked and having them torn to shreds in a pit. There's hiding somebody in a morgue's drawer for weeks and weeks so that but they does go... It have- cuckolding Bad. like ice cream man has this week no no is it, oh, are we talking about ice cream man okay no no, no. i was just gonna <laughs> say like, in terms of punishments and, and stuff um not in this one but but yes in other issues of the series i think there's, cuckolding? there's some of that cuckolding nice i love uh, the word that's like cuckoo cuckoo Cuckoo-coo? yeah it's, it just means Cuckoo-coo. buying a cupcake for somebody Cup cupcake cuckolding. there's cannibalism like oh it's it's so brutal man everything about it and at the same time, there are characters who you like. So like you have likable people that are in this horrible, horrible, horrible world. Um, yeah, there's I, I just can't say enough good things about it. And also I would feel bad putting this in anybody's hands unless they ask for cross <laughs> and we were sold out. Like <laughs> it's so fucking gross and so well done. Um, you know, it makes me wonder if this Ed Pisker guy is going to go places. I bet he's got I got some legs on him. Uh, what's your score for it? Nine. Django. Wow. Did you know that we have an email from Phil Satile? Oh, wow. And it is very few words. And it says, in response to Andrew's question, favorite hero, John Jones, favorite villain, reverse flash. Sweet. Like that? Do <laughs> yeah, you like classic. That? I do like that film. I can't that remember was if that was classic related DC. to gr- green things or not, but probably not because reverse Just flash. secondary colors on heroes oh, and primary colors on villains. It was totally that one. Uh, reverse flash is the best answer. That is really the best call. answer. That is the yeah. best answer. Wow. Uh, one of the best all-time costumes ever of all time, I'll say. Uh, Django, take me somewhere new. You always take me to the same places. <laughs> Predator 3? I want to go somewhere special. How is Predator 3? It was fine. Um, You've referenced okay. it a lot. It had to have been good. No, it's just the last comic I read. Oh. Um, <laughs> I kind of go newest to oldest in my head brain, Jeffrey. Oh, I like that. You always end with yourself. <sighs> Being born. Because um, you're old? Oh, God damn it. You're right. I gotcha, <laughs> old right. guy. You're so right, Jeff. Hey, oldest did you read Arcade Kings? Did either of you read this behemoth 
known as Arcade Kings that is basically a manga that some asshole tricked me into reading. I Flash. almost did, and then I thought that no one else did, so it probably wouldn't show up on the podcast. And Flash. I feel like I gambled and lost. Flash, Jeff, and me the cover. It's it, right here. It, dude, dude, oh, next to video nope. games. Dude, yeah, it's it. good. It's a it's good like kind of wrestling-y also, right? Yeah, it's just got arcade-y. some... Yeah, it's it's like uh, Street Fighter wrestling. The Street Fighter can is wrestling. It's punching, and <laughs> and then uh, then a bunch of cute young manga kids and video game tournaments and young girls with stars in their eyes, like actual star shapes in their eyes because they're so zonked out of it. Robots and like masks that look like they go over your face, but when they get mad, they open their mouths and there's teeth. And robots with knees mask. on their forehead and kids in hats yeah. like blue haired kids in the clouds that are yeah. re- relatives um Did everything like that i don't give a fuck about and i thought this was really good really you do yeah. like well-written kids that's one thing i know about you which is why you would give a tom king book a low score a low score <laughs> because he wrote a bad kid in it <laughs> yeah this this is even less about the kids and just just like a very simple setup good battles uh quick kind of efficient character work and and big action and then a good cliffhanger with the the bad guy reveal Jenga um, boren and less about the kids are not two ideas i associate with each other <laughs> <laughs> i think i think you would really like it jeff i think so i i just in the time crunch of all of this stuff you know we're recording this on a friday i did have to make some choices about what was going to go in me in the time permitted i'm looking uh, forward to talking to you about it oh well done I didn't read Superboy. I didn't read The Vigil. I didn't read Cyborg. I didn't read Miles Morales, Red Goblin, or no one. Roman, did you read Cyborg? Um, I did. And your list there, I was gonna, I was gonna just say that. Well, The Vigil, I read it, didn't care. Cyborg, I read it, and uh, it's like I, it's like I expected. It wasn't. I mean, I, I guess maybe if you're new to Cyborg and you want to know more about Cyborg, this this is the book for you. But I already know all all this Cyborg's origins and the stuff about his dad and everything and. Yeah, yeah. I started both of those. I got two pages into each and decided to move on to something that was entertaining anymore. Um, but I will say that, like, I like I like Cyborg. Oh, yeah, I like the him. art was very 90s esque art in it, which is another yeah. reason I wasn't super excited to read it. Yeah, yeah. There was sometimes it was pretty cool. And other times I was like, what's wrong with their faces? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the vigil Rom V. That's a new DC book. Yeah, he's a writer I, I often like. Yeah. But so far, at least, I don't care about these characters. Yeah, but yeah, both of those I started, they were kind of hard sells. I do like what DC's doing. I like that they're getting a lot of different creators of a lot of, you know, sort of different circles to be writing very diverse types of books. Um, but like The Vigil, I wasn't super interested in Cyborg. Um, but I will say, I you know, I like Cyborg. I'm glad they're giving him a book again. Yeah, yeah, I think it's kind of... He's a robot. It, yeah, it's kind of, and it's kind of funny how... Um, they still are keeping it that he was in the Justice League first, but then he felt overwhelmed, so he went and joined the Titans. <laughs> Django, did you read Miles Morales? <laughs> no. Is he holding up? Django, they're using the Maximum Carnage logo for this Carnage Reigns thing. Oh, they misspelled Maximum Carnage. It looks like they spelled Carnage Reigns instead. Yeah, I didn't read it either, but the cover is great, and the logo for Maximum Carnage made me like, flip through, and I was like, ooh, a lot of words and not a lot of art I like. Sounds like the 90s. Yeah. Do you uh you read Seasons Have Teeth? Number I did. two? Yeah. Oh, so did I. I love Finally, it. some common ground with this piece Django. of shit. We have common ground <laughs> on Fantastic Four, Batman Brave and the Bold. Ice Cream oh, Man. That's it. 
Ice Cream Man. I, I know I was trying to say that so that you know that I read Ice Cream Man this week so that we'd have some common ground that I knew we would have. Did you read that Dark Spaces thing? Good Deeds? I did. I did. Yep, I read I that read too. That. So did I. Okay. Okay. Well, let's talk about that one that you just mentioned and then Good Deeds. The DC one? <laughs> yeah. No, Seasons Have Teeth. <laughs> Seasons Have Teeth was good. It was. Boom Studios, Seasons Have Teeth. This is written by our guy Dan Waters, who we're a big fan of, and art by Sebastian Cabral. This continues a four-issue miniseries detailing the exploits of a photographer in a post-apocalypse, well, I don't know, post-apocalypse, a parallel reality where the seasons exist as giant kaiju instead of seasons, I guess. Yeah. Maybe they also have seasons. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, um, and uh, after the success of having captured a good photo of Winter in the first issue, he has been teamed up with some other photographers in a faraway country where there are refugees to catch a photograph of summer. Yeah. And during that, we get flashbacks of him on his first like photography outing into uh, like a like a dangerous situation, and we see why he's been kind of a milk toast photographer until this point in his life. I really like the bits of characterization they did with him in that regard, uh, and it was the, efficient. It was very efficient, and like I wasn't sure what this series was going to be. And what I didn't want it to be was just like four issues vaguely showcasing these kaiju. And what we're getting is four issues vaguely showcasing these kaiju. But there is a very strong character narrative at the heart of it. And it makes sense for him to be going to try and check in with all of them. So I, I like that very much. I like the idea of these like seasons manifested as kaiju. I do think that like the talking about them is a little sort of like one-dimensional metaphor of a time of your life. I don't know if that's a negative or not, but it's sort of like, oh, I got too close to summer because it burns so bright, but it's also when you realize that the your life is going to end. And, and you know, like there's all of these these opportunities that you're given, but you can op- you can pass on it. Like it's all this very sort of like, oh yeah, huh. to be an old person remembering summer describes it in the same way that he is describing an experience with this kaiju, which is kind of what they did with winter in the first one, which is is cool, but also a little sort of like, yeah, I've, there's a lot of songs about summer out there. You know what I do is of summer. Are we doing another music theme episode? Oh, right. It would be fun to do a second one of those, right? Maybe it at Maybe we start counting backwards and get back Ooh, down I like to 311. That. Oh, um, I love it. Do you want to know what my secret is, Jeff? I don't read that much into anything, so I missed all of whatever you just were talking about. Uh, <laughs> well, I I think... just looked at the pretty pictures and enjoyed the action. I love that. Do you think that I'm lesser for doing it my way? No, no. Well, I mean, in this case, I think the book is lesser for you for doing it that way. Because no, I didn't, I, just, I, didn't uh, I didn't dislike that at all because I didn't even know it happened. I didn't dislike it. I just thought it was a little one dimensional. Like it, it was sort of like, yes, this is a kind of rote way of describing summer. Um, sure. And that that's fine. And I didn't I didn't dislike it. I just thought it was a little one dimensional in, in, in terms of its description there. And I just love thinking about the person writing the comic book in the comic book. Like that's where I get my joy oftentimes is picturing right. the act of creation more than the act of participation. Dude, this summer monster, the first major reveal of it is a gorgeous page. And the final page is the picture that he got of it. And that's even better. Like the, the colorist is Dan Jackson and... A lot of my enjoyment for this issue is thanks to him, I think, because the, yeah, the flashbacks are fantastic. amazing coloring too. like yep. they're they look like uh, Francisco Francovia kind of orange yep. monochromatic pages. And then the current time is 
gray when they arrive and then gets red as they approach the, the monster. And it's uh, really super pretty. And they bounce between those time frames a lot. And the coloring does a lot of work to like designate times. So I, I, I think and I kind of clear. I didn't pick up on the fact that it gets slowly more red the closer they get to the thing. And that's very cool. Yeah. Which does make total sense because it kind of inflames everything. Also, I used to be a photographer, so I'm basically this guy. I love the story of him, right? Like a failed photographer who now has gotten the one lucky shot of this one monster and now got a second. And now he feels compelled to like complete his life's work by getting four photos of these things. It's very Pokemon-esque. I like it. And is it in homage to his wife? Although his wife didn't really want him to be this type of photographer. Yeah. And she's she's gone now. So like, is he doing it? He, he's not really doing it to honor her, but he's also not doing it just because he's free of the shackles of his wife. Cause like, it doesn't seem like they had a bad relationship or anything. She just knew that he didn't really belong in this sort of situation and he's doing it anyway. Now, like I and like I that think, kind of complexity. Yeah. And that complexity tied with um, the kind of metaphor of summer, which I think it was a great issue for that level of character work for him because we learned about those sort of missed opportunities, those failed things and that sense of regret. And yeah. the way he describes summer in this is that way that like, yeah, when you're older, all you remember is like the kind of the, the lost summers and the the opportunities you can't have anymore because they don't present themselves, which is very much in line with that level of characterization. So I think it is a really nice, while the descriptions can maybe be one dimensional, the way that they're interlacing it with the, what we're learning about the character is super well done. Yeah. It, the, Hardest part for me was getting the song summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime out of my head. It mm -hmm. ran through my head the whole time I read this and it was mm -hmm. not really appropriate, but unavoidable. Another good ice cream man segue. Roman, did you read this issue? Ice cream man? Yeah. Uh, uh, seasons have teeth? No. I can't remember if you read the first one. I did not. But now that you like now that kaiju. I know they're, well, yeah, now that I know they're about kaiju, now I want to. He fucking hates photographers, Jeff. It's like he photographers does. and spiders. Yeah. And washing his own feet are the. I'm always asking him like where I can go to get some photographs developed, and he has no ideas ever. Yeah, I have no no idea. Costco. Yeah, probably. Eight point five for me for seasons have teeth number two. I gave it seven point five. Liked it. Nice, Roman. Yes. Take us to the ice cream man. It seems like we're begging to get there. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the giant cockatoo number two, which I love. The only kaiju book I'm reading right now, and I love it. Talk, talk um, about that. I well, there's it's more of the same. There's this kaiju running around San Francisco, um, um, sexually assaulting buildings and and shitting everywhere. And there's mutant things coming out of his crap. And there's some there. full frontal nudity of humans, and and some pilots get killed in horrible, horrible ways. Uh, what am I doing with my life that I'm not reading this book? <laughs> Django, there's Poland a almost read giant Titans, books. and I didn't even consider there, this one. Poland there's zero a, point well, books off this, the shelf. This this book has a, a tower that rivals Titans Tower, except oh. it's a giant um, phallus with a couple big globes right in front. So you know what it looks like, and the way you drive into it is this irising opening that's uh, below <clears> the <throat> cock and balls. <clears throat> it's great. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's a high class book. Oh like, oh, like you drive into it through a sphinx door. Yeah, 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 yeah. At one point, the giant cockatoo um, uses a busload of people. Oh, this is going to sound so awful, but it's hilarious. A busload of people. He breaks open this bus and uses it like a kaiju fleshlight. 
Good Lord. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's getting blue in here, guys. It's getting a little blue. I yep. would say it's already yep. blown. Hardly do. Yep. Yeah. And at the end of it, we've got a giant mech coming to fight him. Nice. I oh hope that God. mech is not well lubricated or we know how it's going to end. Arranged yeah. for their yeah. pleasure. I'll, I'll give this book a nine just because it cracked me up so much. I like that. <laughs> um, Fine. I'll read it, Roman. <laughs> You'll love it. Ice cream, man. Oh, it was so scary. It was like so nihilistic and a bummer. <laughs> it like, didn't even all like make sense in any way. It was just sort of like, this is a bummer. I think oh, I have so a couple issues behind on Ice Cream Man. How is the series going? Is it still like a nihilistic bummer? Yeah, I mean, great. Jeff, if you can write a bummer of a comic, like, yeah, you should. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You but... should. If you like, it's real feelings out of fiction and little scribbles. Like, fuck yeah. This is like. <laughs> Okay, so this one feels like a monster manual mm-hmm. being written by a guy who's having uh, like a psychotic break, right? Like uh, Gregory Peck's character in Psycho, Norman Bates. <laughs> Gregory Peck? Oh, shit. Who was Anthony it? Anthony Perkins. No, that's a guy who, who started that restaurant, the Perkins restaurants. He's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Andrew can fix that in post. I'll look yeah, smarter. Yeah. When, when this goes out to the other people, I won't look like an idiot who doesn't know the name of Norman, Norman Bates. Norman Bates. Um, so it's like intercut long pages of text about scary and mundane monsters. Uh, some of them in your mind. Some of them, the guy that slept with your wife. Uh, some of them. Cuckolded you. Cuckolded you. Changed some you of... into watching him sleep with your wife. <laughs> yeah. Um, none of it is happy or comfortable and that's what i love about this book the end that's yeah, a good description so, oh man and and the pages that are the, the like monster manual pages have such great little illustrations i love mm-hmm. the one for the shameful memory where it's a guy that's in tears and his skull has been cut off and there's just this demon imp that's joyfully like poking his brain <laughs> <laughs> it's so wonderful yeah and, and the and art is this... fantastic always and it has a reference to an earlier issue, right? The Freight Train Dracula. And like the song that he's oh, singing. Yeah. And song. It seemed like multiple of the monsters were maybe, I guess Spider-Man is where we encountered the King Spider just recently, Roman. And then there's a Spider-Verse one. Oh, um, right. I missed the song. Nice. Yeah. And the wallpaper is yep. uh, well, that's the same famous... as, is that a famous wallpaper? Well, no, sorry. The book that they're talking about is a famous book. Um, yeah, the but, yellow wall. Well, it's a yeah, a story, a short story. Yellow. Oh no, the short story by the yellow wallpaper that he, I Gilman. encountered exactly like he described when a high school teacher made me read it. He's I was surprised. Oh, good. I was surprised at the high in high school because I don't think I read that until college. But high school for me, um, but I was in the advanced English class. So. Oh, there you um, go. Yeah, it's it's really really good, but it bums me out. Um, <laughs> in that way that like stray bullets or something also mm-hmm. did where like it's super super well done and like going back to what Django said like anytime you can effectively convey an emotion like so perfectly through a medium um keep doing it that's awesome uh but at this point for me I would like a little bit more forward movement or something because like the last couple that I've read have just been like pretty big bummers and this one wasn't even like big reveal or like in-depth idea it was just like you're right your family's been dead for days and they're calling to you and you're the psycho in your house and you have ignored it and like that's a that's a 
That's a bummer. I would love <laughs> to know what inspired this book. I agree. I thought the same thing. I felt like there was a Bob Dylan reference in here, but I forget what it was now. Oh. Hmm. Now I got to hmm. look at it again. Just a second. You guys can keep talking. Is it the yeah. part where he says you can go ahead and toss that shit right into the garbage? Because that really sounds like a Bob Dylan quote to me. It does sound like one, but I don't think it was that part. You know, he has wallpaper on his walls that is very reminiscent of the inside front and back covers of previous issues of Ice Cream Man. As yeah, well. you're definitely right. The way that those patterns repeat. And so I was surprised that they didn't have one in this issue, frankly. Maybe the comic <laughs> is turning into itself. The, oh. the, the humanoid spider is horrifying. It is. Like, I felt sad for Roman knowing he was going to read this when I was reading it. Yeah, I was excited I, I know. to hear well, I Roman's just, thoughts. Well, I just try not to look at that. Page, but you know the illustration of it. Did you notice? I mean, it even even has a like little dick made up of spiders. Oh well, yeah, they're not dumb. They know what matters. <laughs> There's no eyes or anything, but <laughs> but I did love like as they got more obscure in these things, like the time suck. You know, like oh, that's yeah. a you know just like that's a great idea, or like the you know the intrusive memory, the guilt laden memory, or whatever that was, shameful memory. Like they're all very good. I'm yeah. like. I don't know exactly what inspired this book, but I think he and I have some things in common. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the Time Suck page, that was a hard one to read because I was going to watch a movie after I read the comic. And it's like, damn it, now I can't. I don't know if I can watch it now. I feel guilty. But make no mistake, the yoga instructor exists for one reason and one reason only, <laughs> to copulate with your betrothed. <laughs> I love it. And I love cuckolding <laughs> references in comic books, so it's good. <laughs> and he, he does a thing there like most of it is is like the the perspective is kind of scholarly in this book yeah. right but then right after that line he he changes to like this personal perspective and he's like if you're one of the unlucky ones chad and linda will strap you to a chair in the bedroom and make you watch like it turns into oh here's this removed study on the yoga instructor and then he's like using names of people that that there's no way you would know just by reading the book. Except because you mentioned them earlier. Well, he mentions Chad and we meet her, but he, he hasn't mentioned Linda in the book part. Right. Right. Or is that his wife? That's his wife. Yeah. 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 I just, I, I love the, like you yeah. can, you can watch him lose his mind as he's writing these blocks of text. Yeah. There you've perfected the cuckold pose. Yes. It's very good. Yeah. I, um, it's, it's a very good comic. Just, is it a hard one for you to score though? A little bit, yeah. I give it a seven. Seven. Yeah, it's a it's a well done comic, but in terms of the enjoyment that I get out of reading it, like it, I we I I personally would would like some more issues that are talking about the role of the ice cream man, and this one almost kind of does that. Yeah. Um, because even just sort of says like, what more do you need to know about him? Like, what would that? It's not going to help at all. And I'm like, yeah, but I think that I read this to feel bad and understand this character, and now I'm just feeling bad. Yeah, I want a little more with him and his brother. Yeah, yeah. The, the brother is the character cowboy. I'm most curious about, Me Jacob. Too. And it's been so long. Yeah, yeah. But also, I'll just let this team yeah. do whatever they want. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, eight, eight for me. God, I might give, I might give this one a ten because you son of a bitch. Do it. It, it's, it do made it. me feel, it, it made me feel guilty and sad and kind of gross. But heard also, and, and very, and it was all very cleverly done and everything and has a reference to some classic uh women's literature oh man it's so great it's, it's got a horrifying spider thing and um, god it made me feel all these things and so it's gotta have a 10 bang Love 10 it. locked well in done. locked in boom django take us home you little pervert buddy 
I'm going to yeah. take us home. Please I'm going to take us home to the dawn of DC Primer. Oh. Is that what you meant? Ooh. It's not, but I will do it. <laughs> it's short. It it's is. It's an Amanda Waller story, which is kind of a bummer, but. And it's got Peacemaker <laughs> in it. It's got, a, it's got a fun Peacemaker. It's got. <laughs> I, I, I actually really like this. I, I was bummed that it's only like 12 pages long or whatever. I love the art. Yeah. The art is kind of, I thought it was maybe Eduardo Riso for I, a while. Yep. Yeah. But it's like if Eduardo Riso was choppy, like, um, McCray, you know, yeah. um, good shadows, good character designs. I love the, the shot where peacemakers holding something light and you kind of lose detail. He's, he's holding the helmet of fate and you're losing the detail helmet of face. Hate. Oh, sorry. Hate. I didn't read Different these fast, but, um, and yeah, just just really good lighting, and you know, if Amanda Waller wants to kill all the superheroes, and it's the dawn of DC, and all the covers are smiley, but then when you get inside, there's targets on all the superhero heads. Like, whatever, DC's not known for their consistency right now. So <laughs> do what you want, guys. I liked it, and it it made me look forward to reading uh, more by this artist for sure, and also just kind of checking out what DC is trying to do with this dawn of DC. Cause yeah, um, who is this artist? Uh, well, the cover Leandro says the writer Fernandez. is it's Leandro oh, Fernandez. He did, uh, uh, old guard and the discipline. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I always like his art. I always like his art too, yeah. but I did not know it until now. <laughs> this is maybe the first time I've seen him do superhero stuff that I'm aware of though. And it, yeah. it holds up. Yeah, it's it's great. And the colors are amazing Leandro too. Andro Fernandez. God damn Leandro. Um yeah. I can't read the name of the colorist because they put dark yeah, the, red over brown. The colorist obscured their own name, putting dark red over brown. Daniela Miwa. Well, look at me. I'm Jeff and I'm not old with bad eyes. <laughs> Um, yeah, you talked me up from my score. I'm going to give it a 7.0. I don't necessarily love finding myself in the middle of an Amanda Waller Peacemaker story. Nope. When nope. I read a Dawn of DC story. Um, but if she's got to be the hub, I guess I'll read it. Um, but yeah, I guess this idea of she's just hiring people to kill superheroes. Um, Not too it's like bad. That, it's like that nemesis plot from the series that just many ended. Yeah. Yeah. Seven. Seven also. Roman, Roman did Dawn? you read the back back matter in this? I didn't even know it came out. When did this come out? It was a free book that was on the stand that we got like a hundred of. This week, oh. we're talking about comics that came out this week. So this oh. week, yeah, we're going to be talking about the books that came out this week. Uh, <laughs> we Every week, we grab a bunch of comics. We bring them home Hi. and read them. I am always am Jeff. Who are you guys? Let's start talking about some books. I'm Django. I'm speaking through my microphone with my mouth this time, Jeff. Yeah, right. I'm Roman, and I'm Sounds actually... like a butthole. <laughs> I'm actually speaking through my nose, but I'm vitriloquizing, casting it to my mouth. I hate everything about this bit. <laughs> I do too. I, I didn't my... even, I didn't even see this Dawn of DC thing on the stands. I think I just saw, thought it was an ad and flipped right past it. I mean, <laughs> a little bit of this, a little you're bit not of that. totally wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, uh, Django, will you take us home now? Because I am going to go to Taco Bell. <laughs> Are you going to go to Taco Bell? Are you going to bring me some hard tacos at the shop? No. I'm going to go to Chapo Bell. Uh, Sam's not <laughs> home from her obligations yet, so my jeans, I've got a little bit of time to go get some burrito. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us, even though we missed a week. Although, if you didn't stick with us, I guess we would never know, and you would never know that I'm thanking you because or that we ever even came back here anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, but 
We appreciate you tuning in when you do. We appreciate your interactions, no matter how short your emails are, Phil. Um, and short and perfect. Short and perfect. They Just, were great answers, to be fair. To they be were, Phil, they were. Oh, yeah. Why am I trying to take us home? You're the. You're the. You got it here, buddy. <laughs> I'm a diva. You're good at this. Oh, you're <laughs> Stop a diva. Let me do it because I'm a diva. <laughs> All right. Um, listen, you can get a hold of Diva Figley at uh, Jeff at thecomicsplace.com. Put podcast in the subject if you want it to be on here. You can also, Jeff, what's your personal phone number? I want to give him that. I just want to mention that I did go to sleep watching Recess Schools Out the movie. And in that, <laughs> the principal and the main young boy character team up because there's an organization trying to take down summer vacation. And the old man recounts that even though he's a hard ass principal, even he can remember how wonderful summer vacations are. And I do think that some of my memories for how one dimensional the writing and seasons have teeth number two was because I was conflating some of my memories from the way that the principal talked about summer vacations as well um oh. i just realized that so. i like that i hope dan waters keeps listening after we got to the part where you shit all over him i don't think i shit <laughs> but i've said that a lot and i'm a guy who can't trust a fart <laughs> so yeah just at the comicsplace.com email us i i would give anything to get enough emails that we didn't have to I Talk feel like every comics. single week we blow every joke we've ever invented and are just kind of like an yeah. Ouroboros, which is a snake eating its own asshole. A flaccid little crew. A flaccid a little crew. A refractory period little crew. Give us some prompts. Give us mm -hmm. something to react to. Because uh, right now we're really just reacting to the... Django's going to break what, up with me. What we can see in the computer monitor reflection of each other's glasses. And Those sometimes are guitars, it's very unsavory, Roman. Yeah. He does all of these with his Johnson out. Yeah. Yeah. His little Roman Johnson. Oh, how, how else would I do that? That's on. a good point. Someday Smith's... we're going to have to tell him that a Johnson is not a goatee. Bass player for the Smiths died today. Uh, let's go so I can oh, no. get some tacos. What a transition. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Django. I'm Django's friend, Jeff. I'm just friend, Roman. Ronan, guys, yeah, I was wondering. Oh yeah, you got a huh? bit for us. Yeah, and this isn't, tacos this isn't really a spoiler. This isn't really a spoiler, but <laughs> let me kick back. Let me let me relax. In in Fast X, Fast Ten, your buttholes or Fast Ten, your seatbelts or whatever it's called. There are a number of scenes where we get like recaps, kind of from video footage, mm -hmm. right? So there's like a monitor, and you're seeing a scene from a previous movie, mm -hmm. right? But it's just a scene from a previous movie. So how did that security camera get that footage? You know what I think it is? What? Drones. I think it's like The Office. I think Fast and Furious has had a camera crew following them the whole time. And they're And drones. they just don't do the post-action interviews or anything. Vin Diesel's sitting there like, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was a visual gag. That was, was pretty good. Jim from The Office. Jim. Jim from, Vin from The Office. <laughs>